Hey y'all, we are back after a very busy and productive week last week and we are ready to get back into it. We were planning to start off our episodes on relationships and marriage, but there is so much to cover for those topics, like who would have guessed it? With so many people ready to share their stories, we've pushed back that release just a bit to make sure everything's in order. Yeah, I mean, there'll be tons of weddings in December, so it's like a perfect time. Oh, for sure, and it gives us a lot more to discuss too. So let's get into today's topic. And last week we talked a decent bit, or I guess two weeks ago, we talked a decent bit about nationalism and pride in your country, and we're going to have another rather heavy topic for you today. So on this episode of the Confused Daisy podcast, we're going to talk about human rights and how it pertains to being South Asian. And there's so much to actually talk about in the short time that we actually have, so Zaheb, what specifically are we going to address? So today we'll be talking about women's rights, Muslims' rights, and gay rights. So just like in South Asia, or like how are we gonna how are we gonna do this? Yeah, I mean in South Asia, here in the United States as well, and basically how they all relate to being Desi in the Desi community. So the way that we're gonna do this is, you know, we've uh, looked at these topics, figured out our thoughts on them, and we're just gonna kind of go back and forth with our ideas and hopefully have some coherent thoughts. You ready? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, so we're going to start with women's rights. And, you know, for me, uh, when you think of women's rights in South Asia, it really stems from, it's a kind of issue from birth. And one of the first things you hear about when you look up this issue is the issue of child marriages. And, like, when you look at the numbers, it's something like 50% of women are married when they're below the age of 18. My immediate thoughts are, like, how can you provide for a family when you're a 17-year-old wife? But then you realize, oh, wait, you don't really need to? Because in South Asia, especially in rural areas, it's such a male-driven society, you know? There's really limited options in rural areas for women to advance through society because they're run in ways where men control all the power and women are just kind of there to satiate them. Things are a bit better in urban areas because women can be almost whatever profession they want. And I say almost because, you know, there might be some random job out there that I can't think of a woman like would do. And it's really a matter of urbanization and education. And as people are exposed to outside ways of thinking and new ideals, their standards for life change. Yeah, I mean, it's still not great in the urban areas, like especially in Pakistan. Not just Pakistan, too, like the whole region, including India and Bangladesh, you know, it's not it's not great in the urban areas as well. I will agree that there is a difference between the rural areas and the urban areas. And I think a lot of that has to do with the level of um, differences in you know, how religious people are. But that also comes to, like, the ideas you're exposed to. So when you have such a homogenous culture where new ideas aren't, like, constantly being shared, there's not really room for growth. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's still not... I, I just don't buy into the idea that just because you're in an urban area, it's great. Oh, it's definitely not great, but it, it's better. I'd say it's a little bit better. Yeah, but I think I think statistics are a little misleading sometimes in the urban area. Like, I feel like reports of domestic abuse, things like that are almost underreported. Oh, for sure. Like, I definitely doubt that they're reported to the extent that they actually occur. Exactly. So I I feel like it's maybe just different things are just as bad in in the urban areas versus the rural areas. But you just don't hear about them. Exactly. But that also comes from, like, you know, you think about why wouldn't it be reported and it comes to, like, kind of women's status in that kind of area. Like, why are they not reported? Are things, like, not taken seriously over there? Well, I, I think that respect and how... You know, remember you were, like, Lokya Kenge? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that really 
when it comes to things like is the woman working or you know she's staying in the house things like that it's I, a matter of like the perception the community will have of you exactly like and even things like prestige in in the most messed up way are like involved in this so it's it's a lot of things and it's a it's a cultural issue for sure which is a shame because us as desis you know in the homeland not educating our our women and girls we are doing ourselves a disservice. It is an embarrassment at the national stage and the international stage. And it's not just an issue in, like, you know, the South Asia itself. Because life, it is better as an American Desi for sure. But it doesn't mean that women have been placed on an equal pedestal as men. And when we had Anya on the, on the show, we touched on the subject. But there's still so many gender normative roles that women are, quote, supposed to have. Even jokingly, like, you know, when you think of a typical Daisy woman, your mind jumps to, oh, she's got to cook. She's got to have a Daisy sense of style. She's probably religious. Otherwise, you know, your mom won't accept her. And it's these stereotypes that we as the confused generation are trying to address. You got to have round rotis. Like, I've had triangle-shaped paratas. You got to know how to make chai. Well, my recipe is the best, so you don't got to worry about that. You can't burn the samosas. Like, okay, that one I have to agree with. But, like, jokes aside, you know... Things do get better when you're exposed to new ideals and ways of thinking, but at the same time, you you kind of see that like the older generation clings to these like gender normative roles and yeah, and I mean we have to push back on the older generation. I mean you got to understand these these and I mean I'm not I don't want to hate on the uncles and aunties because some of you who are listening are actually wonderful. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna call us out for sure. Um, which is fine. I I mean dialogue is important, but I think we need they need to be accepting. You know what I mean? Like right. You you don't think that you, you have to you be don't, willing you don't to change. Feel like you can say what you want. You kind of gotta just say what they'll want to listen to. Yeah, and and in order for real change to happen, you have to be willing to change. And you know you I I do agree. You have to be willing to change for change to happen. But not even that. You just have to be willing to have the dialogue. Yeah, well, I mean, my point is, like, so let me paint you a picture. So somebody comes here from the motherland, you know, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, and they have these old conservative values, and they're kind of stuck in their ways even though they're in America. And they can have a tremendous impact on, you know, their kids who are growing up here, and that's kind of where these issues arise. Yeah, and you know, when especially for the like older generation who have moved here and lived here for a while, you can tell that they're a lot more open to change and open to discussion. Like, you think about how we're living our lives now. Could you imagine, like, our parents or grandparents living like that, like, 60 years ago back home? Like, not, it, not in that home, but, like, back in their homes? Like, exactly. I mean, and you can't. But only after, you know, I, my parents have been here, like, what, like, 30 years yeah, now? Same. So only so after, they're so open to change. They're very open-minded people. And, you know, it kind of ties back to the whole thing about this is a generational issue. And the only way to address it is to push back the ideals of the older generations. And, you know, we're the generation of power. And when there's people without power, we have to live to serve them. And one of my favorite quotes is, be worthy to serve the suffering by Richard Gunderman. And it fits here perfectly because you have to be the voice of change. You have to push back against these kind of elder norms and fight for education, fight for equal footing in the workforce, fight for positions of power. But, you know, the fight can't just be local because for every Malala Yousafzai, there's a thousand little girls who can't fight for change for themselves. You have to be able to fight for them. And that, that mentality right there is what can help promote change. And obviously, I don't have the answers as like a 22-year-old brown dude from the Midwest. But when you're dealing with an entire like 
subcontinent and just a region of people, like more than a billion and a half people, that's where the power is. As world leaders, promote the change from inside to see your region prosper. Yeah, and I mean, like, back to, like, my original point, it's like when when we don't promote women's rights and education and putting women in positions of power... We're just doing Pakistan a disservice. And not just, again, not just Pakistan. The whole region is doing itself a disservice by not promoting women's rights. Yeah, like imagine the advancement if you can promote, you know, healthcare, literacy, education to your entire population. Yeah, exactly. Like you in, in public health, I mean, you have half your population not being educated. Like that's having a huge impact on your economy. Like exactly. Imagine the global stage in terms of education and power and like, you know, wealth for a region. And again, this isn't something like we're super like well versed on. This is just, you know, our thoughts. And for people who have like knowledge about these subjects, they actually understand what can be promoted through change. So if this is just two guys like shooting ideas back and forth, imagine what an entire country or region of the world can do when they come together. I think that really just about wraps up our discussion or like introduction on the women's rights throughout South Asia and kind of in America. So we're going to segue into kind of a broader reach topic and kind of just Muslim rights as a whole. And, you know, this is a huge topic. There's a lot that I wish I was knowledgeable enough to talk about, you know, like Kashmir, Bangladeshi, Rohingya, China, Uyghur, like Muslim countries in the entire continent, like in the entire world. There's so much going on that I wish I could keep track of everything. But the main topic, again, relates to human rights as a whole. So this is the first time that we said Kashmir. Um, The listeners don't know this, but... We started this podcast and we were like, we will not mention Kashmir. Yeah, we're like, what are the what are the topics that we cannot talk about at all? Exactly. But I, I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice. And our listeners a disservice. Yeah. We, we won't be talking about Kashmir today. Uh, I think we will need a whole episode. And it's only fair we should have somebody from India here to talk about their but not, side. Not even about that. It's not even like a side versus side thing. It's just we don't have knowledge at all about the subject. But we need... To, again, like, be open to other people's, like, what what do they know about the subject? How can we yeah. improve our each other's understandings of these topics? And, I mean, regardless of what your views are on the topic, it's an incredibly sad situation. Uh, I think we should all pray for the people of Kashmir and um, try to find a way to resolve it, hopefully with as little hardship on the region. But I think what we can talk about today is... China and its uh, treatment of the Muslims there. It's I think it's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment that the Pakistani government is cozying up to China while knowing that Muslims in China are being assaulted, killed, kidnapped. Or the other day I was reading something that a lot of forced conversions out of Islam. Things like that happening are an embarrassment. I mean, Pakistan was made so within the region there was a country with a Muslim majority. You know, the country would stand up for the rights of Muslims everywhere. And you do have to, like, look at it from, like, a geopolitical stance. It's not just, like, a religious-based thing. Like, it's a huge problem. But you have to, like, look at the fact that, you know, you kind of see why Pakistan hasn't said things because they're receiving so many billions of dollars of aid from China to create, like, the new Silk Road and the, like, the major highway renovations and just... They're bolstering Pakistan's economy so much right now. Like, it makes sense as to why they're not saying anything. But you do have to think, like, to what point is that valid? To what point can you, like, look past human rights abuse and 
just accept money. There's people who are being like, they're having their organs like harvested from their body while they're alive. Like that's just, it's beyond, like it's not even comprehensible. Like to what point do you say, all right, yeah, we're getting the money. It's fine. I think we've reached the point where it's not about the money. We need to be focusing on the fact that Muslims are in China and they are being assaulted and they're being victimized. Bingo. So it kind of ties back into the whole, like, you know, human rights as a whole. To what point are we willing to just stand by and let, like, the status quo kind of manage itself? What's the quote? When, like, one person's rights are infringed, everyone's rights are infringed? Like, I'm, like, totally blanking on the actual quote itself, but that's what it ties into. When you know that there's millions of people being put into, like, concentration camps in China, that's when you realize, you know we have an issue at hand. This is something we have to work to, like, fight against. And that's honestly all I can really say on the subject. So we're going to shift our focus more towards some domestic issues, and I'm going to let Zoheib take the floor. So when I think about domestic issues, gay rights is something that comes to my mind, and I'm going to relate gay rights back to the Desi community. And when I say Desi community, I'm primarily talking about the Muslim community. So I'm going to paint another picture for you. Dude's painting all the pictures today. Our regular Leonardo da Vinci over here. Um, Trust me, if you saw my paintings, you'd be like, they're awful. So anyway, so this is just my understanding of voting trends in American politics. So before 9-11, I think it's a fair assumption that majority of Muslim Americans voted Republican due to the fact that a lot of conservative values matched up with Republican values. Now, after 9-11... When George Bush implemented his idiotic foreign policy, I mean, some of the worst foreign policy that I think you'll ever see in your lifetime. And that's kind of when the Republicans abandoned Muslim voters. From then, obviously, the Democrats picked us up. And now you have a situation where a lot of the conservative values among Muslims have remained the same but they're voting for Democratic politicians who don't share any of those views. And I've had this discussion with a lot of uncles and aunties who are like, vote for Biden, Warren, or throw back to John Kerry. But all those candidates are for gay rights openly, and a lot of Muslim conservative Muslims aren't. And I think that's a real shame, because I truly believe a lot of the gay community supports Muslim Americans and our, our struggle, and we should do the same for them, especially considering we have been oppressed. I think it really boils down to understanding that you and your relationship with God is a personal, private matter. You don't have to involve anybody else in this matter. And that's not just for Muslim people, Christian people, Hindu people, or whatever religion you are. So I'm going to give you just some questions kind of relating to like, you know, your views being Muslim and the gay rights like debates in America right now. So there was that whole story about the, the one bakery that refused to do the cake for the gay couple getting married. So do you think that that store was defending its like rights to free speech or were the rights of, you know, a, a minority community being infringed when they were denied service? It's absolutely ridiculous that they even tried to do that. Like it's not going to legally stand that they denied service or it, just in the public's eye? Yeah. So I'm talking about legally. It, it should not stand. Um, that person who is being discriminated against can sue. And majority of the time, the courts will rule in their favor that their rights under the U.S. Constitution are being infringed upon. When I read that, I was like, this is just... I, I thought it was a media stunt. It was just to get like attention from on Fox News, nothing else. Imagine I walk somewhere and they're just like, hey, you're brown, um, you have a Muslim name, and I'm not going to you know, serve you. 
that's ridiculous. Like it, it, it's a violation of this country's amazing rights that we have here. So we've painted a pretty dark picture of the world. And I mean, let me ask you, Shark, do you think the world is this bad off? I think that it's it's always been kind of rough, but it just seems a lot more like rough because we're able to have such like access to the world at our fingertips. You know, there was so many things happening in the world that we learned about, like in our world history classes that, you know, pretty terrible things, but people were living their lives like blissfully unaware what was happening in the next like country over or next town over even. So it's just our like rapid access to technology just make it seem that things are like dark. But it's also this rapid access to technology that gives you hope for this world because we have such an interconnected generation and, you know, you're able to support people from all around the world and share your views. So I think that, you know, things things are always moving forward. You have to keep looking at things in a positive light because, you know, if you think things are like dark and gloomy, then they will be. But if you like keep looking for the good in things and keep striving for better, that's what you will end up with. You started answering that, and I was like, is this guy a boomer now? Like, <laughs> is he 900 years old? Gonna say that we're worse with technology? No. I love the boomer memes, by the way. I'm, I'm throwing that out. This has been a dark episode, but I love the boomer memes. Well, today was very heavy, right, Zaheb? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the heat from somebody who doesn't uh, agree with me. Send, send us your heat. Send us your fan mail. Send us your views. You know, we've gotten a couple of messages from people, like... Shout out to you guys. You guys are seriously the reason that we're doing this. I love hearing from you guys. The guys love getting your feedback. It just gives us more motivation to keep going. And you guys telling us the topics you want to hear about, well, that just gives us more reasons to create content because we know what you guys want to hear. So we're going to keep on just doing that. We're going to keep on listening to your opinions, taking in the advice that you guys are giving us and continuously improving our show. I do have one announcement I want to make. So on Tuesday, November 26th, you can catch me, your boy Shark, trying his hand at stand-up comedy for the first time at the Funny Bone Comedy Club in St. Louis. Uh, It's going to be an open mic night, and hopefully you guys can make it out there and see me make an absolute fool of myself. But if not, I will try to record the show and post it everywhere for everyone to see and laugh at me and with me. So Wait, is it free? Okay, tickets are a dollar. Oh, Tickets okay. are $1. If $1 is all it takes to like keep you from seeing me, I, I hit me on the Venmo. What are you going to talk about? Um, I'm going to keep it kind of kind of secret for now, but I'll give you just some like general ideas. I don't I don't want to give up too much. It's just about being brown and it's really funny and I don't want to say that it's just like about one certain topic when it really isn't, but it's going to be a blast and I hope you guys come out to see it. Will you be there, Zohaib? I might. When is it? Tuesday night. 7.30. 7.30, right. I forgot to say. It's going to be Tuesday at 7.30 at the Funny Bone Comedy Club. Tickets are $1. Is there food? I think that, I think there is food there. All right. I'll be there. All right. There we go. There you have it. And with that, that is this week's episode of the Confused Daisy Podcast. We hope to see you guys next Tuesday at my stand-up show. And I hope you guys are back next Wednesday for our next episode. See, see ya. ya. Dude, that wasn't even planned. How did we hit that at the same time?